Hi guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today I have Dr. Scott Stevenson back on for another Q&A covering off your questions. And today we dig into a big time into carbs and calf training. So this is like your one stop for massive calves, essentially. And as always, guys, as a reminder, at Revive Stronger, we are an online coaching service and company, and we pride ourselves on providing very individualized and personalized training programs and coaching in general. So if you're interested in improving your physique, fat loss, muscle gain, then definitely check out the link in the bio and we can set you up for a consultation call with one of our coaches. Otherwise, let's dig into the show. Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today I have Scott Stevenson back on the show. Uh, We ended up kind of as we ever do and uh, I like kind of digging into things further and Scott has a a lot of value to provide so we didn't cover too many of the questions that actually came through so Scott had actually reviewed the questions so he's he's got good answers for you I just didn't quite get to them so we're going to get to more of them now but uh, as an update Scott you're in your new digs so for those on YouTube they can see I guess is that a rice cooker in the background they can see and a photo Yes, that's that's a you can't quite see that's that's my dog Rusty there. It's a photo from oh. my jeep. Yeah, a friend. Um, I just kind of put that up. I, I need to find kind of more a permanent place for it, but I didn't need to be hung. A friend took that and printed it out. Rosetta, she's watching. She always likes the videos, so she's probably watching, or she'll watch eventually. Uh, and uh, she took that and she printed it out. It's like a, kind of like a cloth, and I've kind of hung it on a on a rod so I can put it on the wall. And uh, yeah, that's a that's a crock pot there. That's two of my dogs are being ah. treated with Chinese medicine. So I, oh. I even had to turn them, let it dry out. But I had to turn it because it was it it's, it works uh, with Wi-Fi or with. Uh, yeah, it works on Wi-Fi, actually. Oh, wow. So I can control it with my phone. But um, yeah, I have an Instapot and a crock pot because I have to cook. Um, we're doing nutritional therapy with them for Cushing's disease. And then one had cancer. Oh, um, wow. Three Sorry. types of cancer. But we got oh, she's good. We, we blasted through it, man. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. Actually. She's, she's just as crazy as she's ever been. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's just, uh, I've got, so I've I got all this, you probably can see, you can't quite see in the background over here. Like there's, those are the, uh, the plastic containers. Uh, Tupperware. Yes. You know, Tupperware, like giant containers. I mean, literally after because they're eating twice a day and I've got three dogs and I got to give the one who doesn't have anything wrong with it. She needs to get some of this yummy cooked food too. So I'm cooking extra <laughs> for her. So it's a constantly, I'm constantly prep. It's like I'm prepping for a family, you know, <laughs> of bodybuilders. Um, they get like, they, I spend more time cooking for them than I do for myself by far. Actually, <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. I feel yeah. now bad. We just give ours a kibble at the moment. <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> no time. Just, yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're fine. Uh, but I it, should probably... Some kibble. Oh, yeah. Check in the kibble. Like you can get, there's some stuff that's probably better than other. So, you know, that's a whole other topic. But, um, but yeah, I've always done that with mine. I always like, I spoil them terribly. Yeah. So like, you know, they're get I throw a little soft food on top or I give them some of daddy scraps, you know, and the thing is, you give them like that's just like five percent, and then once they once you get them turned on to eating, a lot of times, then they just go. It's like okay, I'm ready to eat this, <laughs> but you know, it's not like they're getting like this giant bowl of like super rich human food, just a little smidge of it. Yeah, but that makes all the difference. Seems like to get them to eat. Yeah, she our dog is very very food focused, so whenever I eat, 
and oh. I'm terrible because they give me the puppy. She gives me the puppy eyes. And I'm just like, okay. Someone actually, mm. I saw someone's story. They called it like dog tax, and it was like they'd ripped off little bits of food. I think it might have been Alberto Nunez. He's got his his dogs, okay. and uh, yeah, he like ripped off some steak for his like on the side of his plate for his dogs. Yeah. It's very much the same here, where I'm just like, yeah. And I think I continued that, and that made me feel. I think it made me feel a little bit more normal during my contest prep because throughout the mm. entire time, even though I was tracking, weighing everything, still little bits of food I just give to her, just to be like, yeah, it's all right. Like I did this the whole time; it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because you can you can be cognizant of how selfish prep can be and bodybuilding can be in general, and it's it's good to sort of feed your altruism genes a little bit, you know, and your giving genes. You, to give, you know, especially something that's so valuable to you at that time. Yeah. You're like, wow, I want to eat like, you're, you know, you know, you're like, you're like using your finger to get every last little bit of sauce or flavor that you might've missed. And to just give that freely. It's like, yeah, that's a good thing. So that's a, that's a good balancing point. I think it's a those little things that, that, um, that just kind of like someone says the right thing to you at the right time of, the, of a certain day. And it just totally flips your perspective for the day. Yeah. You know, just those little things can can be so meaningful. And when you when you pile them together and do them repeatedly, I think throughout the day, as, as they say, the neurons that wire, fire together wire together. Yeah. And you know, you continue to repeat. You know, just sort of a, a perspective of gratitude or a giving habit, like waiting just a couple extra seconds to hold the door open for somebody when you don't necessarily need to. That you know, it's. It's, it's someone, some people sort of say you can't truly be altruistic because what you're doing is serving those, yeah. those genes, you know, the super cool altruism genes in your brain that, that wants you to do that because it's better for the tribe and for the species and your own self-propagation to have other humans around with whom you could propagate, et cetera. But it's still, it's, it's part of being, I think, a good, a good human. So, you yeah. know, it's a good thing to, to do that, especially when you're maybe not the best human, you know, when you're, you're prepping yeah I, uh, I don't know if i've said this to you before scott i think i've said it maybe to a different uh guest who also had dogs but i i know it, it was bad because i know it's post-show the big difference but when i would take her for walks it mm -hmm. was a case of this is functional i need to get my like steps in exercise <laughs> like there's no sniffing there's no fun whereas oh, afterwards i was like yeah. man i was bad <laughs> like not like dragging her along but it's just yeah. like it wasn't a walk for her to enjoy it was a walk for me to get my steps in and she just happened to need to be there yeah right right <laughs> I felt bad about things that. to do and yeah you're yeah yeah you become a little more time focused you know and selfish it's yeah it's you become almost in some ways yeah i don't like the person i've become in the last like month of contest prep sometimes yeah you know and i reflect because i've done that dozens of times because I've, yeah. I've done a few shows over the years and but it's that contrast of seeing that you know I the thing I've gotten used to saying more recently is there there are no mistakes they're only missed learning opportunities and you could call those mistakes yeah so you see through that contrast it's like wow I was really being a butthead to my dog and my dog's just like you know just pure love and joy like yeah, exactly. wow I mean <laughs> I need to be more so then you once you see that and it's right in your face it's like oh my gosh you know, I can, I can apply this same thing outside of prep in other areas of my life. It becomes a very salient um, sort of characteristic that you're capable of in those situations when, when you're sort of your, when you literally your Maslow's pyramid is not, doesn't have a strong base. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're it's that, that's the, the dichotomy of this whole thing is that we're doing this unto ourselves. It's total luxury sport. 
to, you know, go and train and eat and cultivate our food and all the sort of things to change our body comp. But it also at the same time is something that would only would have happened, you know, previous to modern cultures when we we're kind of starving, we're running out of fuel. We don't have our basics met. So that's the time when it would make sense for our brains to say, okay, I'm going to be hangry today. I need to get some food. I'm not fucking around. Like, come on. We're not, we're not just sniffing here. We're out hunting, you know, we're out, yeah. out to get our needs met. So your brain is it's switched. You know, that's our, our eight brains are turned on to say it's, it's time to go, you know? So makes total sense to be that way. But, but nowadays, a lot of those eight brain, you know, functions are the things that get in the way of, of, um, well, they may be the things that take us down as a species, you know, yeah. we've always wanted to start wars with one another and the us deming, you know, that, that sort of, sort of dominates our political scenes and yeah, forgetting that we're really kind of all in this together. Like it's missing yeah. that pretty obvious thing. It's so it's, it's nice to get those clarifying moments, you know, of like, maybe, you know, that's shame has a good function. It's like, ah, okay. Yeah. I fucked up. You know, I feel guilty. I feel shameful. Um, then what's what you do with it matters at least my thought you know yeah so no i i definitely agree i completely yeah. agree oh i won't uh take us too far off a tangent i'll get yeah, to some of these questions because yeah. I'll, I'll i'll sure get into tangents on the questions too but uh so the the first question was uh from or the first question today from nathaniel scott he asked the best protocol you've seen work to make big progress on calves if that was number one priority over everything um throw the kitchen sink at it basically in a progressive fashion. So people have like two sort of two standouts um, in my mind, two kind of general ideas. I've seen Dante Trudell's DC training strategies. So that is just like a crazy form of, I mean, it's a, it's a very much of a high rep set, um, Literally, he was doing blood flow restriction training with the DC training style calves. That is sort of a standard approach that he takes. So do you, I don't do you know how DC calves are done typically? Or no, the- I I may have heard it like on not not specifically. So I think the audience probably appreciate you describing. Yeah, yeah. Me. <laughs> I just made a post on Facebook that you know someone was thinking about. I'm thinking about doing DC training, but I'm not sure. And I'm like, man, DC training is it's it's a missing gem that you know is getting lost now because volume is the driver hypertrophy type of things you know or and and, you know not to go off on that tangent but it's such a beautiful beautiful system that i think a lot of people could benefit from they're just not aware of it so much anymore because dante's not pushing it and you know and it's hard (laughs) but uh so the dc training calves are basically the way i would have i was the official dc trainer for a while he would send me people for two or three years i was officially you know the guy that he would he had handling DC training and just to simplify the way his, his methodology, what I'd have people do is basically do 20 second reps and it would be um, lift up as fast as you can, you know, and then, and then have a five second negative essentially, and then hold the next 12, 15 seconds until you start the next rep. So you're going to do, you're going to do three reps in a minute on zero, 20, 40 and 60 seconds. So up, five, four, three, two, one. And then you go and you hold in a stretch position and you go up and there's, there's no way out of that. You're basically with the, with the tensions that you're holding the muscle at, you're getting a blood flow restriction effect anywhere from like 
40 to 60% of a, of a maximal voluntary isometric contraction prevents any blood flow in or out. You're, you're trapping metabolites just like you would if you, you know, ligated the muscle. So those are brutal. <laughs> They're just, it's, it's kind of like blood flow restriction is sort of a different level and kind of pain. Like it's, it's a different phenomenon that takes, you know, sometimes different psychological strategies to, to break your way through this form of calf training um, works really well for many people. Um, and it's, the thing is, is like, this is before, I mean, Katsu training has been around for a long, long, long time. I don't know if Dante knew, I don't remember him referring to Katsu training, but he knew about stretching and stretch overload and those sorts of things. It always gets noted in terms of that, but this is a stretch um, under tension with lots of blood flow restriction. And you use a weight, you can somewhere, usually it would be between about eight and 12 reps and start off with something you can do. So an eight rep set, it's like, oh, it's just eight reps. It's like, yeah, that's almost three minutes. <laughs> it's two minutes and 40 seconds, you know? And then you try to get that last one. And sometimes you get really good at it. And like literally, because the set's so long, your, your fatigue isn't such that like a regular eight rep set, you know, you get six, seven, and then eight, and then there's the ninth is just no, no way. It's like, no, you get six. And then you get seven and you're like, it may take you like, I remember doing some of these reps where it was like 10, 12 seconds to get the thing up and then you bring it back down and then you're like holding for two or three seconds. And then uh, and maybe you might, you might even grind one out because you're, you've got many people have, especially the soleus is, is renowned for having lots of slow twitch, quote unquote, white type one mitochondrial rich endurance oriented fatigue resistant fibers so you can grind on those yeah and psychological pain becomes the limitation there and um so you might be doing a three or four minute set you just would do that every train time you train calves so um dante also has uh and you could have to look this up but um he has a way of having people walk on an inclined treadmill too where they 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 kind of they do a lot of stretching along the way so it's it's basically replicating what you see with people like and Scott McNally, speaking of, we just were talking about muscle minds, ridiculous calves. His calves are out of control. I mean, they're, they're like literally he has world-class calves. His calves are like Mike Matarazzo size, you know, Ben Bukulski, like name the Eric Fankhauser, like all the guys who have the greatest calves ever. Scott's are up there. They're like in that, in that arena. The rest of his physique is, is, you know, high level amateur, but his calves are world-class. And we talked about like, you know, why is this? And Scott's always, he has, for whatever reason, he's programmed to walk on his calves and he's been doing that his entire life. I see this so, in people. The tippy toe thing. Yeah. And yeah. he's like the, he actually sent, I mean, we talked about it. He hadn't even thought about it really. You know, he had, it had, because it's just his natural way of locomotion. And he filmed a video, he put this camera down on the ground once and just to view his feet while he was doing side laterals and his heels never touched the ground. <laughs> he was just, he's just up on his toes all the time. So he's got this kind of chronic overload type of thing going on that is, you know, and, and there's probably some interaction between that tensile load, the loading history that he's had over time. And the fact that it's happened, you know, during his growth and development, um, you know, and he may have been sort of programmed for that in some way. So like, you know, he was walking, he was learning how to walk, learning how to run, running in that way, you know, with lots of, lots of four foot strikes and pushing off and not a whole lot of heel striking. 
So he's got giant calves and that's kind of what this DC training way of doing cardio is about is to literally just try to drive as much of the locomotion through your calves with big, long stretches. So that's one, one effective way. Um, so that would, if someone had never done that and they come to me as a, a client, that's one thing I would throw out. It was like, you know, how you, how you do your cardio, are you sitting on the bike? Let's, let's put you on an inclined treadmill and start doing deep, like real slow, deep stretches on the calves, driving with your calf every time. But how a lot of people, sometimes they want to, I think they're, I think they're shooting for spot reduction when they do this, when they get up on the, 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 um, the step mill, the gauntlet, and you know, they, they drive with their hips and they kick their leg out. They're trying to get some extra right. glute activation. Um, well, you could do that sort of thing with calves. And, you know, if you get it and do it right, your calves are, they're pretty uncomfortable. So that's one way to, to get some of that loading in, which probably, you know, people always mention to people who are very overweight, who, who have, have tend to have large calves. You see that a lot because they've got a lot of weight to support and it's a chronic overload type of thing. Like you'd see with, um, uh, uh, mechanics who you who are you know have one hand they use prefer they're always working yep. a wrench and they have a big forearm so so that's sort of one one strategy or and the other one and th there's no rule against combining these it's what john meadows used to do was basically train calves every day until he started to feel like he was having foot pain plantar fasciitis you know until it was too much and they just take a day off and i think he would you know work through the various rep ranges heavy light um what I always thought was like, calves are just pain. There's a lot of it's just pain, man. You know, so if you know that you're not able to work through that pain, then that's probably that's a missing stimulus that you haven't been exposed to because you're stopping your reps short. If you're doing like, and this this can work for some people, you know, I think because there's so much variability when it comes. To, this is why this is this question is you know continues to loom. And why it's so hard to build calves yeah. some people just like they'll throw in like you know body weight one-legged body weight stuff you know and do that but that main if that is just like a breeze if you're mindlessly doing that it's probably not a stimulus necessarily for you um if you haven't got big calves already from being someone like scott who just unconsciously and naturally does does that the other thing would be and this is and unfortunately now my calf lab has been, been destroyed because I've torn my calves. So, yeah, my calves are kind of like, ah, I, and I, I wish, you know, I wish I, it'd be nice to have calves. That's one thing, but it'd also be nice to be able to have that as, you know, it's like, I don't have the test tube anymore to run those experiments and I can't do those, but I got good results from making my calves just ridiculously strong um, back when they were still, when they hadn't been torn. So, you know, leg press, I was doing some of the Dante stuff um, and that, that didn't help so much until I got even stronger and went more to just traditional calf training. Um, and I was using like 10, 12 plates on a leg press, you know, my, I mean, people, people go and they do like, you know, seated calf raises with maybe 45, 90 pounds or, you know, 20, 40 kilos, something like that. You see that often people don't really go after it. And I would, I was doing like, five plates or um yeah like four plates on a side or like you know six seven plates high like really really heavy and that worked for me because um for whatever reason i mean if you get to where you can be i mean imagine your calves were just uh you're just so strong with your calves eventually there's going to have to be some transfer in terms of the form if the function has been pushed to where you're just ridiculously strong this you know strength and size 
are associated to some degree. So, you know, you may not be Ronnie Coleman, but if you're someone who can bench press 500 pounds, not that bench press is a great way to do chest work, great way to tear it back. But if you, if you incline 405 for, you know, a solid six to eight reps, you're going to have a big chest. It's got to come along. That may not be the best way to get there for many people, but for me, in terms of calves, I could do that safely until the, the calf tears that I had weren't during traditional sets where, where I like, oh shit, you know, I, I pushed you hard. They were just weird things. I didn't even notice them except for like two of the like four or five times that I had the tear. Didn't notice until the next, you know, days later or weeks later. I'm like, I think something's missing down there. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> when did I do that? So anyway, those are, those are some things with yeah. calves. So you have to kind of be outside the box, obviously. Um, but my, my progress was inside the box to some degree. Yeah. yeah. Um, but those things work. John's John had great calves, ridiculous calves. Yeah. I mean, his legs were world-class and when he was at his best, like there was a picture of Tom Platts and John's legs side by side. And they're like, okay, they look like they could be from the same person at different time points, you know? Yeah. So yeah, he knew what he was doing, but his training was brutal. So. Yeah. Hey, Pascal here. I just quickly wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we put a huge emphasis on the personal aspect of our coaching. And if you want to take your physique and knowledge to the next level, hit the link in the description below. No, I, yeah. uh, it's funny uh, with the, you mentioned the, well, first of all, the person who walks on their calves, someone I, I just, I don't know if you've seen Jared Feather's calves. He's someone who he has like crazy yeah. calves. I've yeah. spent time with him and you watch him walk and it's just like, are you doing that on purpose? Cause that's just not how naturally like normal people walk, I swear. But I've even right. seen it with people like I, when I worked, I mean, this is years ago now, but when I worked an office job and someone who sat next to me, he was just like this skinny guy, massive calves who walk everywhere he's on his toes and i'm like i remember trying like you can try i don't know if you've ever tried scott but trying to walk like that if you don't walk like that naturally you just it's not maintainable like i just can't yeah. do it uh but i did notice it's funny with the uh kind of the obese people and they generally have larger calves i think my calves grew because i wore a weighted vest during my contest prep for, mm. and i did like on average close to twenty thousand steps a day so i think just that constant <sighs> bombardment yeah, I think yeah. they ended up growing and I've mm -hmm. not got amazing calves. So I kind of saw them change to a reasonable calves in that period of time, which was pretty crazy. Yeah. Not a very practical way of doing it, but it worked alongside the, the goal of increasing energy expenditure. So, <laughs> you know, and I've looked for these. I couldn't find them. There might be, there might, maybe someone started making them again. Have you ever seen the shoes that have a giant, like accentuated forefoot? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Have you been able to find them? I looked. No. <laughs> I haven't tried to find them, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I, 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 the problem with those is that people end up getting Achilles tendonitis that ends up being too much, I think, over ah. time. Um, or if you're not careful, you can fall and twist your ankle and, you know, injure yourself, shoot, shoot yourself in your own foot, kind of, uh, almost literally. But there was a there was a guy who did who swore by a guy, just a, a total anecdote. But there was a guy in high school who was a basketball player. who was kind of short, um, but he – he claimed that his, he had a great vertical leap and he claimed that it helped with his jumping, you know, and that doesn't really make sense. Like jumping only comes from the hips and the glutes and that sort of thing. Right. But you know, who knows, but he had, his calves were, were, were awesome. And I just remember seeing him walk around because he was like, you know, he's kind of on a trampoline and he, it, you, he was like, 
I said, he's not that tall, but the, the things were like this <laughs> tall, you know? So he was, you'd see him walking down like the hallway. It's like, oh, there's, what's his name on his, on his crazy shoes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he, like very salient memory of this kid. Cause he just didn't care. Like people were always like, yeah. you know, whispering and stuff, but he just did it. So that, that would be one thing I would like to try. Yeah. You know, that would be interesting and see, you know, but, but I, the, the calf muscles aren't there. So there's nothing to grow, unfortunately. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, and this weighted kind of the stretching makes a lot of sense only from the standpoint of I know people have talked about how the Achilles heel sometimes people people bounce their calves they just have terrible technique so that kind of holding the stretch there as well like you just remove the opportunity for it to bound back up off the stretch reflex of the Achilles tendon yeah I mean there, it's um uh there's a stretch shortening cycle that goes into running and jumping and basically you look at the translation of momentum from the hip to the knee to the ankle the whole point of the calf really is to essentially be sort of a, the muscle is just isometrically holding this spring so that you can, you can use the series elastic components in the muscle, but this long Achilles spring to translate the momentum that was generated by the large muscles of the hip out through the leg to propel you forward or propel you upward. So that's why you see like, if calves were that important for sprinting and jumping, then the best sprinters would have amazing calves. You see these guys that look like their legs look like, like uh, bowling pins upside down or something like that, you know, or right side up with huge calves, you know, finishing out the, the movement of each stride, but it's not that way at all. They just, they have small calves, high calves, and there's plenty of muscle available there. It's having a long tendon that's to their advantage biomechanically and muscle fiber type and other things. So that's the thing. So once you like, you can get like, and I used, I would do this every once in a while. I'd see someone who was training, you know, they're on the seated calf raise and they're just bouncing. The only person I saw and Ronnie actually, Ronnie Coleman, I think may have torn his calves too, because they sort of degrade a little bit at the end that may have been from injections too. I don't know, but Ronnie used to train calves that way. He just sort of after it was an afterthought, you know, he'd bounce around, but that's Ronnie, you know, we're not going to, not going to take too much from what Ronnie did except hard training. Um, but you see people sitting on a seated calf machine was the obvious one because it's so easy just to bounce back and forth. But it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, what you're doing, that's exactly what the calf muscle was designed for yeah. is to be able to do that, to handle massive loads of the entire body above it, above the, the lower limb and bounce and translate, you know, momentum across the ankle joint um, and just utilize that spring. So that's not going to make the, and, and the, the people who are the best at that don't have big calf muscles. So if we piece this information together, it doesn't suggest that doing that is going to make the calf muscle grow. Cause, cause it, cause that performance aspect of, of calf activation doesn't require a big muscle. You're not stimulating something that would, that would bring about an adaptation for a larger muscle, large muscle mass isn't needed for that. Just a functional Achilles, a nice, good spring. So if you want to strengthen your Achilles tendon, that could be a way to do it potentially. So you tell people to slow down and someone, you know, is bouncing, they've got four plates on a seated calf race, for instance. And you, you say, uh, you know, Hey, let's, instead of doing 20 reps, let's see if you can do 10 good ones, you know, like with a three second, a true three second negative, And they get to like six and a half and like, Oh my God, my calves are on fire. Well, that's what DC training becomes. It's an extreme version of that force like taking out all of that momentum taking out all of that that spring that stretch shortening cycle and trying to force the muscle to be the focus of the entire stimulus of the movement and um worked really well for lots of people 
So they just, it's just one of those things. Like it's not even like you, you get a good pump, but like you don't get the same feeling from a calf pump that you do, especially if your calves are small, like you're not going to like look at your calves and they're not that big. And it's like, I'm oh, sorry, I really shouldn't be doing that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not something that a lot of people want to run themselves through because it's, yeah. and no one says, Hey, good, good calf set, dude. That was badass. Like you <laughs> have a good deadlift or a squat or a big movement. It's like, Oh, that's just impressive. These guys using the stack, but it's like, no one even cares because people don't yeah. even the bodybuilding stage, you know, the calves are, almost aren't judged to some degree. Yeah. You know, so, so there's, there's in terms of motivators to get people to go and do the extraordinary thing. It's the perfect example of a muscle that is very, very difficult to grow. It seems to be sort of genetically biased in that, you know, if you're a larger person, you're going to have more load, bigger calves, a lot of obesity and overweight in your just general size. That's genetically determined. Or I'm thinking something like with Jared Feather or Scott McNally. I'm, I'm guessing there's something, there has to be something uh, about the biomechanics, their muscle attachment points, the various things that, that lend themselves to that kind of locomotion. I mean, they didn't like just, uh, they didn't probably mimic that in some way. I'm guessing they saw it in someone else and like, oh, that's how dad walks. So that's how I should walk. Or that's how, you know, a, a proud person walks. So I should walk that way. Something a genetic was involved with taking that on. And, it, and they may have also had the genetics to allow for that, but their biomechanics basically threw them, threw that, threw them into that loading history throughout their lifetime. So you've got this muscle that's genetically determined in terms of growth. All, all these sort of outside parameters that's the one that's least likely for people to want it's least gratifying in various ways to want to train so it's the perfect dichotomy yeah. of like oh my god i gotta have to put myself through calf training every day and it's gonna suck like this every time is it really worth it um i heard i heard uh there's a video um uh david hoffman is a german bodybuilder was right, on yeah. there and he was at a, I think it's his gym now. Um, I just listen. I'm learning. I've done a few podcasts in German. I'm learning German. I spent a lot of time during the day doing German things. And I was just listening to this as I was doing some other things. And the woman who came on there said, oh, I've, she never trains calves. And she was sort of proud of that, you know. And she said she can't even wear regular size boots because her calves are so big because <laughs> they just grow with, with no calf training. Like there was like, she's like, oh, that's, it was an old style calf machine or something. Maybe it wasn't his gym. It was another gym. And it's like, and she's like, oh, is, is that a calf? I've never trained calves and her calves are gigantic. And that's an, such, a, it's a, such an interesting thing for someone to say that it says like, it's, it's a, an unconscious way of boasting about what great genetics they have, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm smarter than nine out of 10 people in the room and I didn't even go to college. I'm just smart. <laughs> just that yeah. good you know or you know i'm just beautiful i don't even have to wear makeup and i'm prettier than everyone else you know or something yeah. like that you know so yeah. i don't have to train calves they just they're huge i don't how would you train calves like look at mine they're they're awesome <laughs> and she wasn't she didn't mean it in that way whatsoever yeah. you know so for someone who doesn't have big calves that's like all those things combining it's like that's such a hard thing to like really say i yeah. gotta dig in and I'm going to go after calves like an absolute animal every day that I possibly can and do the most least gratifying, most painful things I can imagine for years and hope that I go from small to average size calves. 
and there's still going to be guys sitting at the desk next to me who doesn't train at all, who's got calves that are way better than mine, and I've been at it for five years. Is it worth it, you know? So I hope that me kind of outlining that, you know, the the calf, the calf universe, so to speak, <laughs> in that way, it's, it's nice to see that. You're like, oh, this is why I keep on, like, you know, not wanting to do this because, you know, there's all these things that are sort of working against my calf progress. So no, it's it's so true. Like you can literally a hot summer's day, people wearing shorts out. You'll find several guys or and women actually. Like even my girlfriend yeah. has bigger calves than me. It's just like she's yeah. never again never trained her calves ever, and I've trained them for like a decade with right. pretty decent due diligence. Like it's just right. Yeah, I can completely see that. One thing I did have to say on that though, Scott, yes, was uh, with the bent knee versus straight leg. Because yeah. obviously when we're in the bent knee, I forget which way it round is. I think it's the soleus that gets more prioritized versus straight mm-hmm. leg, more gastroc. I think the soleus is the muscle that's more so underneath and the gastroc's like the chunk of the muscle. Do you have like a preference of bent knee to straight leg and any of that? Yeah, that's that's what will happen. The gastroc's put on slack. Um, I think there's also something going on, some going on neurologically because if you do, for instance, a standing calf raise with the knee, you don't really want to lock your knees out necessarily with the straight knee versus a donkey calf raise where you're bent over and all that posterior chain fascia is tightened up and neurologically you're in a different position. Um, you get more gastroc activation. And the reason I, I haven't seen this study directly, and I think this might be in, in Per Tesh's books, Muscle Meets Magnet. And there's another one where he actually has had bodybuilders or like just one bodybuilder do different exercises then they they do an mri immediately afterward to look at the look at the relative activation it's a great book um and uh but there's some work and i'm forgetting the the name there's a a professor for the university of um uh um what's the name of the it's a university in belgium blank on the name of it but he's done a lot of really cool stuff long time ago when he was going to the story a long time ago i got to see some of these experiments done in his lab looking at activation of the um, the muscles of the hand and the forearm and the biceps and how, for instance, the level of supination or pronation you have when you do an elbow flexion movement will, will dictate just neurologically, whether you're using the brachialis or the brachioradialis or the biceps, just pronation just turns off the biceps um, because it's just it biomechanically doesn't make sense to do that. And you can't pronate and turn on the biceps at the same time because then you would supinate because the biceps is a supinator. So there's some really interesting um, ways that you can look at the forearm and the elbow. And I think some of that's going on same way that you've got a, the gastroc doesn't cross the hip, but if you bend at the hip, you definitely feel it in your hamstrings, of course, which is also a biarticulate muscle, but you feel more in the gastroc. So yeah, definitely straight leg is gastroc and soleus, bent leg, the gastroc, wouldn't typically be involved it's just too short in this case to have enough actinomyosin overlap to 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 do much activation in that um in that in that mechanical position but you can actually activate it you just to do it you just have to sort of effectively do an isometric knee curl while you're at it because the the gastroc you know flexes the knee too so you can activate the gastroc a little bit there and that's just a mind muscle connection thing you know, we can you can see that with the, the studies where they do EMGs on like the pec and the tricep and they say, hey, use your triceps on this bench press, use your pec on this bench press, and people can do that. And it's a function of experience, how much load they're using, that kind of thing. 
So yeah, definitely bent leg is more soleus and straight leg is more gastroc. I mean, we, we go in, so there's, should you roll off the ball of your foot or the outside of your foot or what have you? Some of that's a mind muscle connection thing. Um, mechanically, the way I, the way I understand it is if you're off the inside of your foot, so you're, you're everted or pronated at the feet, coming on which terminology you want to use. So you're off the, rolling off the ball of your foot. That's going to be the line of load is more medial. So you're going to, that's going to require that you've got more medial gastroc being involved, which is the, the round ball of the, the, the meat of the, the calf on the inside. That's the muscle you generally look at. That's the one I've torn. <laughs> that's the one you look at to see, you know, that you got a big, big gastroc or a big calf. So some of that is going to be a matter of just the kind of like with, you know, Jared and Scott, just they activate their gastrocs or their calves while they're walking around. Some of it's going to be a matter of what you're, what you're sort of neurologically wired to do in those different exercises and find the ones that you feel in the muscles that you want. Um, but uh, yeah, you can definitely, um, you can definitely see, for instance, and this, there's some interesting work where they actually measured um, gastroc medial versus lateral head gastroc activation during a training session and then the resulting growth um, and it did match. So assuming that you can feel what the EMGs tell you, um, that is going to tell you where you're going to grow the gastroc. So some people say, well, like, it doesn't matter. Like mind muscle connection doesn't matter. Like it's just the exercise. You do this exercise and you have no choice whatsoever in the activation pattern. And no, no, that's not actually true. There's several lines of evidence showing you can't actually choose, you know, whether you use your arms or your, or your lats on a pull down or your triceps or your chest on a press, et cetera, et cetera. So the same thing holds true for the calves. I wouldn't choose a bent knee seated calf raise to be a, your main gastroc movement though, because you just kind of like you biomechanically disadvantage, it's disadvantageous from a biomechanical perspective to load it that way. Um, but you can turn it on. Like you can literally, for someone who's like trying to like tease out, I've done this too with clients in the gym or like at a camp, um, have them sit on the, on the uh, uh, seated calf raise and say, okay, I want, now I want you to press, just do it the way you do it. You can put your hand down there. You feel your gastroc, it's not doing anything. Now pull your, try to pull your heel back. Don't come off the pad and drop the weight on yourself. No, now try to pull your heel back. You activate the gastroc and now you feel the gastroc keep it active and now do some reps. And now you know how to turn on your gastroc on and off during exercises. And you can make that the focus so that when you do a standing calf raise, if you don't worry about the soleus, you're worried about the gastroc, you use the mind muscle connection, put your mind's eye on the gastroc during that exercise. So. Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. I really like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's taken uh, my question. I was thinking basically because the gastroc, like you said, is the main chunk of the muscle and that shows basically that's the visual element, maybe a little bit more than the soleus. I tend to program more of the straight leg variants versus bent knee. I, I almost don't do too much bent knee variants for that reason. But the my muscle connection element was a, a great <laughs> or also additional side because I know even yeah. for me, 
for the longest time I've had one of my calves is bigger than the other and I, I couldn't contract. Like I could sit here and I can uh. contract both. Whereas in the past I could only contract one. And it was uh. like, so it was like, and I think that was the reason one of them lagged behind the other. Yeah. You know, an interesting thing. And he, I don't know if he's ever said publicly and obviously he's had some problems there, but if you look at flex wheelers calves back, back in his, back in his prime, um, you know, he, Sultan of symmetry, you know, like everything's there. And maybe he injected some things there. Maybe he didn't, you know, it seems like with the issues he had that that might've been complication, but I don't know. But the point, um, um, the main thing that popped in my head is if you look at his calves, his gas, or I mean, sorry, his soleus, the underlying muscle is tremendous. It's really big. And you, you may not even seen this in your mind's eye, but like, so that that's sort of the shelf upon which the gastroc sits. So, you know, you could have a, you know, a decently developed uh, gastroc and imagine if you took the soleus out, then it, it, it does, it gives a, sort of a, a line to the, to the, the uh, sort of a the silhouette, so to speak, to the calf. And yeah. if it's thicker, that it makes the, from front back, front to back, it makes the calf thicker and it gives the whole lower leg greater volume. So, you know, just neglecting that. And I, I've actually noticed that in myself now, because I don't, there's no gastroc left to train, especially on the right, right side, the lateral head's kind of there, but I've, you know, I've trained the bejesus out of the soleus and I, my soleus has actually gotten better. And like fr from some angles where you wouldn't be able to tell if the media gastroc is missing, it looks okay because I've got a really good soleus and it's from the front, it's, it's widened the calf, you know, up top because you can see that muscle from the, from the front side. Actually, normally the gastroc would be there, but from some angles, it looks like there's nothing, nothing missing. You go to the wrong angle and it looks very odd. So that's something to consider there, there too, is that, uh, having a big soleus, it's analogous to best legs in bodybuilding, Tom Platts, take a look at Tom's legs and there are lots of guys, I wouldn't say lots, but there, there are more people that were uh, approached him in terms of pure quad size. But if you look at his adductors, Dante, speaking of DC training, Dante training, he has adductor exercises are standard there in his DC training. Cause that's the thing that misses. You see some guy with great quads and he has no adductors. You're like, that guy doesn't squat. <laughs> he does a lot of knee extensions, I'm guessing. But those huge adductors, if you look at it, there's a classic like black and white picture. It's just, just of his legs. You probably know the one that you probably pops in your head when I say Tom Platt's legs. And if you look at that and literally, I mean, his adductors are, you know, they're touching just like two inches above his knee. There's so much meat there. And it's like, it's like almost half of his, of his thigh volume from the front is adductor mass. And that's what gives, because he's so complete. There's nothing that's not maximally developed. That's what, it's just like, it's like a, um, a Belgian blue, a doubly muscled cattle. You're like, <laughs> there's muscle on top of muscle. Like everything is just over, totally overblown. That's how his legs look. So for someone who's just whatever reason, maybe their calves, their gastroc, just not a lot of fibers. If you don't have many fibers. You're not going to have an overall big muscle necessarily. Um, if their gastrocs aren't growing, but they're doing everything they can, and they've just been neglecting the soleus altogether, the soleus is a potential way of, getting some exercise there and anyone who hasn't looked or can't see this in the mind's eye check out flex wheelers calves like back back before he started having leg issues and that's what you kind of see in his calves is a really big well well developed soleus and you don't say like 
wow, his gastroc suck. It's like, no, his calves look really cool, really good. And he's got a really, he's got a, a he's a Sultan of Solius, maybe it's, you know, another way to think of it. Solius was really well developed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to Google that. Yeah. Check it out, man. I'd, yeah. I'd be interested to see what you think. So, um, I think uh, we've probably done a really good job on calves, actually. I don't think I've ever had yeah. this in-depth a discussion surrounding calves, which is great uh, because yeah. I think there are a lot of people listening. Probably the majority of listeners don't have like incredibly developed calves, and I think probably half of those are interested in <laughs> learning how to make them bigger. So now they have a really good resource, I right think. On. So that's awesome. Uh, I don't know cool. if you had anything else on calves, like any little tidbits, but I mean, everything oh, else I would... Yeah, there's, I mean, you keep me going, Steve. Now I'm going to keep rolling. You're going to say um, feet out, feet in. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Go you down know, that. Feet out, yeah, inversion, inversion. But uh, John was also big on training the anterior tibialis. I see, yeah. Um, yeah, and one way you can couple that, one way you can do that, when I would, when I've done, we died, I did DC, or M mountain dog training with Derek Oslin last year when we trained together. Um, shout out to Derek if you're watching this. And uh, so we, we would kind of, we forget every once in a while, but the one way to do that is, um, so you do, let's see if I can show this here. So this is, my foot is now my, my hand is now my foot. You do your calves like this. And then if you've got a machine, either it could be a leg press or just a calf block, you go, you may have to change the weight and you, and you go here and you do anterior tib that way. Does that make sense when I'm showing you? So you just step to the other side and yeah. you got to be careful that you don't slip because then you're, you know, then you could screw yourself up pretty yeah. bad. But with the right machine, if it's like if you're doing calves on like a leg press, like a, um, a, some of the smaller selectorized machines, you'd have your feet on the bottom and then you just take your feet to the top. And now you let your toes point over the top of the, of the platform, of the foot, of the foot platform and go back and forth. And you can couple up um, plantar flexors with dorsiflexors that way. And that's another thing. Um, Dave Henry is someone you'll see. Dave, Dave's a drummer, and uh, so he's always working the. He was always working the foot pedals, and he would drum a lot of times. And I think he has probably some residual. When Dave touches a muscle, it grows and it just stays that way. <laughs> that's just that's just Dave, you know. But he had really big anterior tibs. You could see that, like right along the shin bone, and that you know is a good. It just has a nice impression. It's one of that one of those things like everything's developed. Yeah. And John, John felt that kind of like a lot of people who uh, train biceps and triceps together, um, they feel that that's a better way to grow. One of the things that, that he kind of, I don't know if he, if I put this together or he just sort of thought this, and then maybe our, we had a lot of conversations on these sorts of things, but um, calf blood flow is not great, actually. Um, uh, the sural artery is pretty small. Uh, that's the order that leads down there. So you don't have good blood flow back. And his thought was that you could get kind of a blood flow restriction type of effect if you literally place so much demand on the lower limb, the leg, technically below the knees, sometimes it's referred to anatomically as just the leg, um, is uh, if you got both the anterior and the posterior compartment both having a, a pump at the same time. So now you're basically going to have this 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 double pump going on. You've got this like almost this coagulate, not a coagulation. You've got so much blood down there that now you're going to have less blood flow. You can't bring away the metabolites. Then you get the blood flow restriction effect, which tends, which means you can train with lighter loads than you would normally, typically, and and still get um, 
uh, a growth effect because you switch the activation pattern to using the, the higher threshold motor units, the type two th threshold motor units earlier because you've got fatigue there. So basically you train those two things in conjunction. The one advantage is you're getting the anterior tib involved. So you're training that, which a lot of people don't, but sort of missing. And then two, if you've got so much blood that's trapped down in the lower leg, you can actually create more fatigue and make your sets harder. And if something about like with, with Dante and the blood flow restriction that comes with DC training style calves, and a lot of guys doing high volume calves. And if there's something to say for like really fatiguing the bejesus out of the calves, this is another way to up the ante in term in that reflect that aspect and drive more calf growth. So that's another thing that John would talk about, toss that in too. So for someone who's listening, who doesn't know, like now we've got walk on the treadmill, DC yeah. training calves, training the anterior tip, training every other day or every day that you possibly can. All the rep ranges get massively strong on calves. If you haven't done that and be ready to handle some pain and recognize that no one's going to give you kudos for being a hardcore calf trainer. <laughs> You're going to just have to hang in there for years. Um, all those things combined, you know, maybe there'll be one or two people who let us know a year from now that they, <laughs> they turn their calves around. At least Nathaniel, he's he said his, his number one priority over everything. So now he's got the kind of recipe for that, I think. Yeah, he does, man. He's, he's so we better have big coughs. <laughs> yeah, check back with us, Nathaniel. We'd love to hear, man. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Flor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people, uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also going to be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We cap them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're going to be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.